Hello, this is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together, we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission, and this podcast can help you do that. Today's guest really needs no introduction. His writings and his resources have influenced millions of people to consider and to reckon with the claims of the gospel. They've led people to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord, and they've helped Christians everywhere, including myself, to live a more confident faith. We're talking about Lee Strobel. He's the author of many, many books, most famously The Case for Christ, which tells the story of Lee's investigation into the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's also been turned into a major motion picture, which I would encourage you to watch um, yourself. That search led Lee from committed atheism into faith and ultimately to a life that's been lived, really telling others about the Savior who changed him. We're blessed to have Lee on the program today. So, without further ado, here's our conversation. We are sitting here with Lee Strobel, um, author of The Case for Christ and many other books that make the case for, the, for, for Christian faith. Lee, welcome. Thanks. Great to be with you. Great to have you here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, Lee, you, you're known for sharing your testimony. Um, you, you haven't just done it from the stage. You haven't just done it in your writings. There's a, a recent movie that's come out that's, that's touching a lot of lives around the world uh, called The Case for Christ, uh, sharing the story of how you came to faith in Christ. So wh- what I want to know is, I mean, uh, we've heard the story of your conversion, but can you put your finger on that moment when you knew that you, I've got to devote the rest of my life to making a case for Jesus Christ. Yeah, I can. I can uh, mentally just replay that moment. Um, I was still a journalist in Chicago and uh, had become, I was a new Christian, and I got involved with a ministry that was based in southeast um, uh, India. Okay. Uh, two rural villages called India Rural Evangelical Fellowship. Okay. I had a friend who was involved with it, and so I got involved. And I said, you know, if I did some articles about your ministry, I think we could raise the profile, maybe get some more money to help you fund what you're doing. So they said, okay, great. So I went over to India where uh, they were doing, um, with an American team, a bunch of evangelistic outreach events. And uh, so I, I only went with the intention of writing an article yeah. or several about Raise this. Raise a profile. Raise a profile, yeah. yeah. So at night, they'd have these huge rallies, and thousands of people would come, and many people come to faith, and it was very exciting. Um, and then during the day, we'd do other kinds of things. Well, one day, we went to a village uh, in the middle of nowhere, rural area, and um, it's the heat of the sun, and nobody comes out unless you have to in the heat. But uh, we had about um, uh, 25 people or so show up in a field, and we were going to do a little outreach. Little, you know. So the pastor hadn't arrived yet to give the talk, so I was there. And uh, so they're doing some music, and they're playing music, and, and uh, we're waiting for the pastor. And, and so finally one of the musicians, the Indian guy, comes up to me and says, uh, hey, you're up. I, I said, what do you mean I'm up? He said, the pastor's not showing up. You've got to give the talk. Well, I'd never shared my faith before. I'd never, you know, talked about, I've never given a sermon. So I'm, I'm standing real slowly because I'm thinking, what do I say? What do I, you know? So I, I said, hey, so Hindu, are you? <laughs> there you go. How about that? And uh, so I gave probably the most inept case for Christ that anybody could ever do. 
Uh, I've probably made every mistake in the book. I'm trying to remember Bible verses. I'm trying to think of uh, illustrations. I'm, um, and finally, at the end, I said, you know, I know many of you, uh, if you want to come to faith, it's going to mess your life up. And, and, uh, but, you know, if you want to anyway, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And, um, and, and then when I do that, um, if you want to come to Christ, step forward. And uh, so I sat down and I closed my eyes and I prayed. And my seriously, my prayer was, God, I'm so sorry. I messed this up. I am the worst. I am no Billy Graham. I'll tell you that. And I said, God, if you let me out of here alive, I will never do this again. I just, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I just want out. And so then I opened my eyes and 12 people had come forward. Oh, my. And these, I mean, just in case, uh, these are people that, it really will cost them something. Yeah, it will cost exactly. They'll be you know they could get thrown out of the community or unable to use the well or um, it, it will cost them a lot. And they came up and they're crying and we I prayed with them to receive Christ. We baptized them in the Krishna River, wow. and I said that's it. I got to do this the rest of my life. This is the the best. I mean, how else can I maximize the one life that God's given me other than to share the gospel and and uh, see lives transformed in front of my eyes. So sort of the accidental evangelist. Yeah, that's right. And within six months, I, I quit my career in, in Chicago and um, resigned, and um, um, uh, that was it. Uh, how did you bridge from, um, how'd you bridge from doing uh, journalism into, yeah. into ministry? What, what, where'd you well, get there? Well, you know, because I'd spent two years of my life as an atheist investigating the evidence for the faith, I had a I had a pretty good background in terms of doctrine and apologetics. Just right. when I came to faith, and so um, um, I um, was volunteering in various ways at, at Willow Creek Church, yeah. and um, had proposed an idea of a newsletter that we would do, you know, and and uh, so I met with some of the staff, and they said, uh, "Why don't you come on board?" and and uh, it was mainly an administrative area. I was going to be head of seven hundred fifty volunteers in the area of um, you know traffic control and, wow. and information booth and, sure. and the bookstore and things like that. And then I was also made associate director of evangelism under Mark Middleberg, who I'd never met. And we met and became best friends, and he was a director of oh, evangelism. So um, it was a, it was a uh, interesting transition that way. Um, then Mark mentored me in theology for two years. Uh, and then um, uh, Bill Hybels actually mentored me in uh, preaching uh, for a couple of years, and then I was ordained there. And so they, I kind of got grown up by the local church. Wow! Um, and uh, so I'm a product of a local church taking an atheist and turning him into a pastor, <laughs> which just, is what churches just ought to be doing. That's what it's you know. About. That's Amen. what churches ought to be doing, Amen. right? Man, oh my goodness! <laughs> so how that's do a we do that? Story. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. You know, before we started talking, um, uh, we were just kind of chatting about uh, apologetics and and so many people they hear that word, yeah. and if they know what it means, uh, they get nervous. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's right. like I don't, I can't be a philosopher. I'm not this. I'm not that. But yet, you, and, and you yourself, just before we started talking, you said I'm I'm I see myself as an evangelist yes. who does apologetics. Right. So for people who are listening, what is the conne- how do you see this connection between evangelism and apologetics? Well, I think uh, evangelism in the 21st century is spelled apologetics. Oof. Um, it, it underlies all that we do because we live in such an increasingly skeptical world. Yeah. And so uh, what I find is most people uh, that I encounter have what I call spiritual sticking points. 
there's an objection or an issue or a question that's a sticking point in their journey toward God. And if we can help them get past that sticking point, they can often make great progress toward the cross. Yeah. So um, I see our role, the role of apologetics is just getting people past those sticking points. Right. And um, uh, what, do you, what are some of the sticking points? Like you've been doing this now for what, 20, 30 years. Yeah. What are some of the, the just the well, perennial sticking points for people? Here's, what, here's, here's how it usually comes down. I like to ask people, uh, if you could ask God any one question and Ooh. you knew he could give you an answer, what would you ask him? Oh, that's good. Yeah. So then they, the, the question that often comes up about 70% of the time is, uh, why would a good God allow pain and suffering sure. in the world? But I don't answer the question. I ask another question. The second question is, well, let me ask you a follow-up. Of all the possible questions in the entire universe, why did he ask that one? And then they'll say, oh, well, because we lost a baby at childbirth two years ago. Or my wife just walked out on me, and, and I'm heartbroken. I don't know what to do. Or my mom was just diagnosed with cancer. Now you're getting to the real issue. So you could say the question is pain and suffering, but it's not the real sticking point. The real sticking point is their emotional state. Um, so you're getting beneath what the um, what the, is on the surface. The, the stated question. reason. The, yeah, yeah, the stated reason. You're getting beneath that, and you're finding out what's driving this question. Why did you ask this question? And when we ask that question, now we're getting at the heart. And now, many times, it's a matter of putting your arm around their shoulder while yeah. they cry. and. And ministering to them, it's right. not an intellectual engagement on the pain and suffering issue. Yeah, um, you know, most people don't ask that question uh, out of pure intellectual curiosity. Anyway, they ask it because of a personal issue. Yeah, there's that uh, Romans one where Paul talks about you know the problem is people suppress the truth right. and right. That's a that's they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and that's yeah. that's a heart thing to do. It right? is. Yeah, exactly. And so what I find is that when you when you you know, when you do what First Peter three fifteen says, not only help give, give an answer, uh, but you do it with gentleness and respect, which yes. means you listen more than you talk, which means you ask more questions than you give answers, uh, which means that you validate them as people made in the image of God who matter to God. Mm-hmm. You respect them. They're on a journey. They may not be as far along as you are. That's okay. They're on a journey. And so it's a mindset of... Um, um, being willing to engage with them over a long haul and to um, uh, walk with them on this journey to help them get past the sticking points. Um, And and I find that that's how apologetics uh, blends into evangelism. And um, I I just think it's indispensable these days. I think if we're going to lead people of faith, we've got to help them deal with the questions that are not just on their minds, but are on their hearts. Sure. So the questions people have a lot of times are connected to their biography. It's not very just a, much so. Yeah. Very much so. And so, and in, I think where we make the mistake is because if somebody asks me, "Oh yeah, I'll, here's a question I'd ask God: Why is He allow so much pain and suffering?" Okay, I can give a five point answer to that question. To that, yeah, in fact, of I'm doing it next week at a conference. Yeah, I, I, you know, every pastor can give a, a sermon on that issue. That's not what they're looking for. Most people are looking for. Jesus. They're looking for someone to be Jesus to them. They're looking for someone who can engage them on the emotional level and deal with the the, the, the real heartbreak that they're facing uh, and help them get past that uh, and, and wrestle with it and deal with it. So I think we make a mistake in apologetics where we jump in with a quick answer. We start with the answer. We start with the answer. And I think we got to start with the heart. 
and and find which out starts what, with questions. Which starts with questions. Yeah. Why why is this important to you? Questions unlock the heart. Yeah. Right. I mean, answers engage the brain. Exactly. Questions unlock the. Okay, but 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 you just said it, and it's true that we do live in this. We're in this post-Christian world. We live in a world of of skepticism. Yeah. People. I mean, if you, if, I mean, if you flip on, uh, you know, the Nat Geo channel, or mm-hmm. you pick up a magazine, it's always going to be something about, about, uh, you know, did Jesus really have a wife? Right. And then, you know, the gospel is really true. Right. To what extent do we, as 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 Christians, trying to engage our friends, how does apologetics enter in at that level? Then, when when we when we when we're building those friendship bridges, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna hit speed bumps along the way, and some sure. of them are gonna just be these kinds of questions. Yeah, I, I think the best thing is to create an atmosphere in a relationship where there's space for authentic discussion of real important life issues. Yeah. So in other words, where where your friend or your neighbor or colleague or whoever it is who you're engaging with feels comfortable to be able to talk about uh, personal matters of faith. And um, uh, so I think we have, we have to create that kind of environment. It's got to be organic. It's got to be organic. There you go. Hey, I li- I'm writing that down. Yeah, That's good. yeah. It sounds like a book. Uh, or yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, so uh, creating the space, creating the space to allow them to do that is important. Yeah. No. So so we, we we have to create a space where we can where we can engage and people are willing to ask the, the questions. But then there are going to be these these right. issues that come up exactly. that come up and questions that come right. up. Right. And I think sometimes the very best thing that we can do. When somebody raises a tough question in terms of in the context of a relationship, is to say, "Wow, that's a great question. I have no idea how to answer it." <laughs> but you know what? It's probably not the one question that's going to dismantle Christianity after two thousand years. So let's let's check it out. Let's 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 look into it. There's books. There's films. There's all kinds of resources, and that gives you another excuse to get together, another excuse to talk about it, and, and then you can bring them into a, um, um, a, a process where they can explore answers and, and get answers through, because there's so many good Christian resources out there now. Sure. Um, when I was doing it, you know, as an atheist investigating the faith, there was nothing out there, very little out there. I mean, it, Especially it was, that spoke a modern language, exactly, that spoke in our world. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays, there's this proliferation of wonderful, wonderful materials. So in some some ways, we, we have to kind of shift mindsets ourselves. I mean, we don't need to be the answer man or exactly. answer woman, right? Exactly. We, and that's what chases people away. Yeah. Is we think you've got to be the Bible answer man. You think you've got to be the Bible answer lady. And I'm not that, and therefore, I'm going to shrink back. Sure. And and when we shrink back, we're just allowing people to you know head toward the wrong path and, and toward hell. So what when we want to do is to say, I don't have to be the Bible answer man. Uh, there are a lot of smart people who've written books and, and done stuff online that we can avail ourselves of. So let's go on a journey together and get answers. Um, and, and I think that that frees us up to say, I don't have to pretend I'm smarter than, than I am. I don't have to pretend I'm more spiritual than I am. I can just be a sinner saved by grace who loves people and loves God and wants to help them discover answers. Hey, look, there's this neat thing. I, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that question. Why don't you and I yeah. get on a journey together? Yeah, to let's check it question. out. Let's, let's find an answer. So how do you, how do you, um, as you, as you meet with friends, as you talk with friends, um, how do you nudge them towards Jesus? Mm without getting pushy or making them feel like they're a project. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I'm going to use a word that maybe you've never heard before, uh, organic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I may have heard that yeah, word You should write or, that down. Yes. You should write, because that, that has potential. It's going right, right here yeah. on my notes. <laughs> no, there is an organic um, 
process that comes about when we are willing not to microwave a relationship, but to be more of a slow cooker. Right. You know, where we're willing to spend time and so forth. And, and so we don't feel like today I've got to um, I've got to pray with and receive Christ or they're going to head for hell tomorrow if they were to die. You know what? The truth is most people are on a journey. The truth is most people in America, they hear the gospel six times before they come to faith. Really? Uh, yeah. So you might be number three. You wow. might be number six. You might be number one. Um, and that's okay. Um, we we want to obviously seize every opportunity, as the Bible says. Um, but, um, you know, have confidence that the Holy Spirit is working. You're not in this alone. God's with you. He's going to help you in the process. He's going to give you the words to say. And uh, I, I, if you talk to anybody who's been involved with evangelism for any period of time and ask them the question, have you ever been in a conversation and, and somebody asks you something and you answer and then you step back and you think, where in the heck did that come from? <laughs> It's called you know, the Holy Spirit, right? It's called the yeah, Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're not on our own here. Yeah, we're not on our own, and that's an encouragement. That's beautiful. So, so I mean, I think we can have confidence because of that. And, um, um, you know, I, I think also, you know, when I was a little kid, if I found a spider in my room, I would freak out, you know, and I'd run to my mom, oh, there's a spider in my room. And my mom would always say, you know, that spider's more scared of you than you are of it. And the truth is, when we're sharing Christ with people, you know, um, they're more interested than we think they are. Yeah. You know? Yes. They're more interested. They're they're more willing often to talk about it than we are because we tend to shrink back because we're nervous about it. We don't want to be too pushy and so forth. When the truth is, they're more interested than we give them credit for. Especially if we start at the level you're talking about, yeah. which is the level of relationship. And yeah. I'm just sharing from my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not turning you into my pet project. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I remember Leslie and I moved into a, a, a house near Chicago, and, and we met some neighbors. And uh, so uh, he's washing his car, and I went over, and we got talking, and I said, uh, hey, um, you want to go out and get some barbecue? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So uh, I said, okay, well, I'll go get Leslie, and you get your wife. And so I went, and I told Leslie, okay, we're going to go. We're going to barbecue with this guy and his wife. Now, don't bring up God. Whatever you do, <laughs> this is our first meeting. Don't bring up God. I'm not going to bring up God. Just we want to be natural, we want to be normal. Don't. Okay, okay. So we get in the car and we're driving and we're in the back seat and he pulls up and, and a nun begins to walk across the crosswalk <laughs> and he says, "Oh, there's a nun. You know, um, golly, I used to go to church when I was a kid and uh, I just uh, I kind of stopped and I'm not even sure why. I just I don't even know what I believe anymore." And uh, and then I'm looking at Leslie, and then we're driving along further, and, and, and it was a, a new church under construction. He said, hey, look, they're building a church. Maybe I should try out that place. That, you know, I haven't been to church this whole... And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. We're holding back. It's like and, God's putting the ball on the yeah, tee. Yeah. Take a swing. People are more interested than we give them yeah. credit for. Amen. And so we don't want to push artificially, but I don't think we want to shrink back. No. You know? Well, especially today. I think we are just... It, it is... I mean, you know, Kevin's talked about this before, you know, he, he visits different places and he yeah. says to pastors, you know, how many of you would say the, the number one issue in your church is that you've got to pull back the reins mm-hmm. on your yeah. people and say, you know, you're, you're talking too much about yeah. Jesus, yeah. you're too out there, you're too, you're too engaged. He says he's done this with, you know, thousands of leaders and never right. has anybody raised their hand at that, right? right? right. So I think we, we, we ourselves need to feel nudged yeah. 
to engage that. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I think what we'll find most of the time, if we have an authentic relationship, if we've created space in that relationship to have authentic conversations, we're going to find they're interested. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so I, and I like to just prime the pump by asking questions. I find the more questions you ask, the more likely at the end they're going to say, oh, what about you? Yeah. So I asked about their story. Did you, you know, what's your, do you have a spiritual interest? Did you go to church as a kid? What did you do on Christmas? What did you do on Easter? Um, And and, um, what do you think about God? What do you, do you ever think about God? Do you have any questions about God? And so um, they'll, they'll talk about, and and the phenomenon I see many times is you look at their eyes and they're kind of making this stuff up as they go. Yeah. What they believe, because they don't, they have no idea idea what they believe. So they're kind of making it up. And, in the back of their mind, they're realizing it. It's like, does this even make sense? So then it's very natural at the end for them to say, well, what do you think? What, what's your opinion? And now you have an opportunity yeah. to kind of lay out a simple testimony and and uh, you know some of the evidence that you find compelling or whatever. Well, I think yeah, that's that is that's beautiful. And I think what one of the, what I'm hearing in, in what you're talking about is on one hand we have to get really good at at asking questions because questions open the heart, yeah. right? And and on the other hand, we have to just get a lot more confident yeah. that what we believe is true. Yeah. And because what we believe is true, it's you can't if if you need to defend it, you can defend it. And guess yeah. what? There's this beautiful tradition, there's this beautiful history that we have yeah. that stretches back two thousand right, years. Right. And guess what? It's lasted up to this point. It's yeah. not gonna get dismantled by the questions this exactly. person has. Yeah. You can you can you can get them to open up. And it's it's as light comes in, it's as as their hearts open up. Yeah. That that uh the, the, the gospel is, is able to enter into their situation. Yeah, I remember when uh, I was a new Christian, and one of my roles as a volunteer at the church was to respond to these tear-off cards that people yeah. would rip off and put a question on and submit in the offering plate. So one day I um, I got this one from a 12-year-old girl, and she said, uh, I just want, want to know more about Jesus. Yeah. So I called, I told Les, <laughs> oh, this is so cute. She wants. So she had her phone number. So I called her up and she said, oh, yeah, I just, would you and your wife just come over? I live with my dad. And would you just come over and, and have pizza with us on Friday night and talk to us about Jesus? Wow. Of course. Of course. I told her, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, my gosh. This is wonderful. So we go over. The guy, the father open, answers the door and ushers us in. And I look, and on the coffee table are stacks of these scholarly academic books by atheists attacking Christianity. <laughs> Turns out this guy was a scientist who'd, who'd spent years studying atheist literature uh, about Christ, uh, attacking Welcome Christianity. Welcome to my parlor. Exactly. <laughs> so we sat down for pizza and we spent hours and he peppered me with the toughest questions I'd ever wow. heard. Stuff I had no idea how to answer. And at the end of the evening, I said to him, I said, you know, sir, you, you raised a lot of really uh, powerful questions. And frankly, I don't know the answer to most of them. But I really doubt you're the first guy in 2,000 years to destroy the There you faith. go. So let me go find some answers. So I went off, and sure enough, every single issue he brought up, yep. and I still remember several of them, um, there was a good answer for yep. it. And, and what did that do for me? Number one, it, inc- it, it built my faith personally. Sure. Number two, now I'm equipped. Now if somebody asks me those same questions, I'm ready with an answer because yep. I've gone through that experience. And, uh, and I was able to go back and, and provide him some answers. So, um, uh, you know, we learn as we go. And yeah. we become better at uh, fashioning an answer to meet a need and to um, satisfy the heart and the mind. Yeah. Uh, the more we do it, the more we learn, the more we experience it. Go this. through it again and again. Yeah. Okay, last question. Um, 
you have been doing, how many years now have you been doing this since that, that first little sermon you preached? Oh, the first sermon was 1987, I think. So yeah. 31 years. Yeah. Is that right? Is my math, is my math right? Is 86 that 31? or something. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Time. Yeah, there you 31 go. 31 years. Our engineer just popped in. That's <laughs> how old he is. That's great. So you've been doing this a long time. Um, how do you stay motivated? How, how, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay motivated to continue to engage? You know, I, I stay very attuned to my own sinfulness mm. and my own experience as an atheist um, and, and what that is like to wake up in the middle of the night and stare into the dark and think, this is it. If I die, it's over. It's no more. Um, that sense of, of um, hopelessness and helplessness. Um, and I, I just stay very close to that. Yeah. And, and it, it makes me more open, I think, to people I encounter because uh, I can relate to where they were. I can understand the feelings that they have. I can understand the obstacles and the sticking points that are in their way because I've been there. Yeah. And um, so I'm more willing to help them. But yeah. I, 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 I never want to forget um, you know, the life that I lived and those emotions and those feelings because it makes me appreciate God's grace that much more. And it also motivates me to engage with others who are in that position now. Amen. That's so good. That's what, that's what Paul said, right? I mean, he, he, yeah. he looks at it right. at who he is. He says, he came to save sinners. Yep. Yeah. And I, that's who I am, yeah. man. Yeah. That's who I am. Well, Lee, I can't thank you enough for taking time for this. Oh, it's fun to do. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you it. You can write down that organic idea. I mean, you can have that. I can we do that? Can yeah. we do yeah. that? Whatever. Yeah, we were just sure. talking about a friend of yours yeah. who you gave him a title for a book. Yeah, too, right. right. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, God bless you. We'll be praying for you. We'll be praying for your ministry. Thanks. Appreciate it. God yep. bless you. Okay. We'll see you. Bye. If you enjoyed that conversation, please be a part of sharing it with others. Um, forward it on to a friend. Uh, if you want to be part of helping get the word out about Organic Outreach Podcast, join our media squad. All you have to do is email info at organicoutreach.org and we'll get you started. We'll even give you a free coffee mug. It's really sweet. I promise you. <laughs> All right. Well, for now. This is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life today.